gentlemen to the we're having a good time podcast my name is dusty slay i'm your host and i'm here with my wife and co-host hannah hogan hey all right we're having a good time here although there has been some consideration in changing the name from the word and i don't know if i can just easily do that or not but i think that i can but i'm thinking of changing it from the we're having a good time podcast to just the dusty sleigh podcast because when this podcast started out the reason that we wanted to go with this name was hannah was doing comedy i was doing comedy and we just thought hey we're gonna we'll we'll go work the road and then we'll come home and we'll talk about what we've been doing out on the road and it'll all just be good fun topics right but then COVID hit and it became a little less of a just fun happy-go-lucky podcast and and you know I began to you know talk about the Bible share my story a little bit more and it's uh just become a different kind of podcast yeah and um so I don't know what you're saying. Just saying, I'm just saying, pull it out of there. You can probably just unplug it. We got a, we got a couple of things charging around here, and it was giving Hannah some problems. Um, but yeah, so it's just become a different kind of podcast. So I'm considering changing it to the Dusty Slay podcast. Uh, I don't know that that'll make much difference. Honestly, it might be a little easier for people to find. Uh, I've been told that if you type in we're having G, uh, if you type in we're having, uh, oh yeah, we're having uh, some pretty wild stuff can pop up. There's a couple of other podcasts that start with we're having, and then they go into some different things that they're having. Um, so it might make it a little easier to find. So I'm looking into doing that. Uh, uh, it's been a pretty laid back week, really. I mean, we did a, it's been a short week since we did the last podcast. I mean, we put it out on Friday and here it is Wednesday. We just been at home. I, on Saturday, I had a big show, though. I opened for Kathleen Madigan at the Ryman, which is really great. I love doing the Ryman. I've only gotten to do it before with the Opry. I did a couple of shows at the Grand Old, at, for the Grand Old Opry at the Ryman. Uh, I was there one time with... Um, actually, I've, I've, done, I've shared the stage a couple of times with Rita Wilson. Uh, and Rita Wilson is married to Tom Hanks. So I was doing the Opry uh, at the Ryman with Rita Wilson, and I noticed that Tom Hanks was backstage. And I thought, well, this is great um, because I have a joke where I say, uh, a lot of times people tell me I look like Forrest Gump after he ran for a long time. In fact, uh, uh People still tell me this. They still tell me, you got kind of a Forrest Gump looking thing going on. It's normally black people that say it to me. They they just see me and they go, you got some kind of Forrest Gump thing going on. And uh, You do right now, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, one time at an airport, uh, a couple of young black TSA agents were working, and he goes, he goes, 
you got kind of a Forrest Gump thing going on. I said, yeah, a lot of times people tell me I look like Forrest Gump after he ran for a long time. And they just started laughing, and they were basically like, get out of here, man. And they don't even think they checked my stuff. They, they enjoyed that I laughed at myself in that way so much that they were like, we don't even care if he has weapons. Get out of here, man. And I loved it. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. So, um, I don't even know why I Did started. Did you meet Tom Hanks? Oh, yes. Okay. So, I'm at the Ryman, and I see Tom Hanks. So, I go over to him, and I go, hey, I just start to talk to him, right? Because it's like, I know who he is. And he go, and he sticks out his hand. He goes, Tom. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm Dusty. Uh, and, you're, and he is correct, though. I should have just introduced myself instead of just talking to him. But I just figure, hey, it's Tom Hanks. He knows that everybody knows who he is. Um, so I, uh, I go, hey, I got a joke where I say a lot of people tell me I look like Forrest Gump after he, after he ran for a long time. And he laughed a little bit at it. And I've probably told this story before. But then we had two shows that night. So the second show, I'm like, I'm going to do that joke for sure on the second show so he can see it. And then he was gone. I never saw him. I did the joke, got a huge laugh, and then I didn't see him, and I figured he took off. Months later, I'm doing the Opry, and one of the security guards came up to me, and he goes, hey, man, that night Tom Hanks was at the Ryman. He said he was upstairs, and I was standing next to him when you did that joke about looking like Forrest Gump. And he said he was really cracking up. He was really hitting his leg and laughing. And I thought it would have been so great if he'd have stayed backstage and I could have did that joke and then Tom Hanks walk out. <laughs> How great would that have been, you know? Uh, but that didn't happen. Maybe but, if you'd introduced yourself properly to him. That's true. Give him a little respect. Gave the man the respect of, a, of an introduction. Mm. Um, but either way. So, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then, so I did it with Kathleen. Now, you know, when I do the Ryman, I get, you know, when I do uh, the Opry, I get 10 minutes or so. So Kathleen gave me 25 minutes. So it was really great to stand out on that Ryman stage and do, uh, you know, do comedy for 25 minutes, you know, and then my green room was the Hank Williams room. So I had a lot of old pictures of Hank Williams on the wall and it's just cool to think about. I normally don't get into the whole history of a building. I don't worship buildings. I don't go, ooh, what's going on in this building? But it is pretty cool to think about a place like the Ryman, the amount of country singers that have passed through there. And, and, and because I love country music so much, I think that's a lot of fun. And Kathleen is great. She has a new special out on Amazon. I don't know how many of my listeners also listen to Kathleen Madigan, but I think she's very funny. I like what she does. She's a very nice person. I've worked with her several times. She had a special that just came out on Amazon. So uh, if you're interested, go check her out. Um, I think she's very funny. And then this coming weekend, I'll be in Indianapolis at Helium. Uh, which even sounds weird to say. I mean, I'm very excited that Helium's bringing me there, but uh, I did Crackers Comedy Club in Indianapolis. I probably talk about this every time I mention Indianapolis, but I remember I had, um, it was Josh Sneed was headlining, and I don't remember the feature's name offhand, but he was a very nice guy. And then the host, I think, was Brad... Oh, now I can't think of his last name, but people that, that, you know, the, the, the host and the headliner, I got to know over time and I was doing a guest spot at crackers. My first guest spot 
at Crackers downtown Indianapolis. And my whole goal was to do the guest spot in hopes to get booked for a, uh, a feature weekend. And that's what I did. I went up, I did my guest spot. It was really fun. It was really great. Uh, I did five minutes. It was a hot, hot set. And then I got booked to feature there. And then my first feature weekend at Crackers was uh, a headliner named DC Benny out of New York City. Um, and that was great. It was just incredible. I remember uh, a parking lot attendant uh, got mad at us about some stuff and DC Benny yelled at him. And I just felt like that felt real New York. It felt like a real New York thing went down. Um, and it was great. And DC Benny, we were staying in the same hotel. I drove him to Trader Joe's and I bought some groceries and then he cooked me food. Oh, wow. I remember he cooked me some beans and it had a lot of ham in it. So I picked all the ham out and ate the beans mm. and it was delicious. Did he notice that you did that? No, no. He brought it to me and then went back to his hotel. Oh, okay. He just was like, basically like, thank you for driving me to the grocery store. Here's some food. That's sweet. It's, it's nice when people get it. Yeah. Yeah. DC Benny was very nice. I've not seen him since that weekend. I still follow him on all the socials, but I've not seen him since that weekend. And that was probably 2015. Um, and then since then I've, I've featured there many times. It's, it's so great. I featured for John Reap. I featured for April Macy, uh, featured for, um, Guy Tory. Um, I'm sure there's people I'm missing. I did it many times and I, and the, and the staff at Crackers always liked me so much. They had broad ripple and they had downtown. They always liked me so much. They always talked me up. They were always like, you should be headlining. You should be headlining. And then I finally got to headline at Crackers with the staff there. It was really great. Jeff Bodart featured for me, which, um, Jeff Bodart's very funny. So it was a hard, hard for me to follow him at the time especially on my first headlining weekend there. Um, I was there. Was I hosting? No, you were there when I featured for Jeff Bodart. Oh, okay. And you might have been hosting there. Mm -hmm. But that was in, in Indiana, but at a place called Wise Crackers in Merrillville, Indiana. Okay. I don't think you were hosting because that was the first weekend maybe me and you hung out. I had picked you up in Canada. And you went to do a show. You went to um, see me, and I featured for a guy named Chris. Now, but I remember you really struggling to follow Jeff Bodart or some some kind of situation well, where that Jeff we, Bodart was making you look some kind of way no, in, the, in Indianapolis at Crackers. All right, well, maybe you were there, but this weekend that, that you saw – in Maryville, Indiana, mm -hmm. I was featuring for Jeff, and I was making it hard for Jeff. Yep. Maybe that's why you came in a little cocky when you were headlining. Well, I always thought Jeff was funny, so I don't know that I came in cocky. I mean, maybe I did, but Jeff is very funny, but he struggled to follow me in Maryville, Indiana, mm -hmm. and then I struggled to follow him in Indianapolis. Mm. It was tough. It was a tough weekend. The great war of Dusty Slay and Jeff Bodart. Yeah, but I love Jeff. Jeff is very nice. Um, and, uh, oh, no, I guess I featured for Jeff in Spring Lake and, again, in Merrillville. So Chris something, uh, he did a lot of crowd work. Older black guy that did a lot of crowd work. You I remember feel like, that? I feel like I've derailed us on a Jeff Bodart tangent that no one probably cares about. Well, that's okay. We're having a good time here. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, 
so uh, the whole point is to say, and then I got to headline again at Crackers later, and something had happened. And when I went back to Crackers this time, the whole staff that I once knew was gone, that com- completely gone. Broad Ripple has closed. It's only the downtown club now, and a staff that I once knew is is now gone. And so it was very sad. And then for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't blame crackers. I don't know what it is. But for whatever reason, I just did not get booked there for a couple of years. And then in 2020, I believe, I did uh, gutties outside of Indianapolis. Um, and with Jake Rubel. And that was really great. I enjoyed it. We did two shows, both sold out, and that was a really fun weekend. Uh, But now I'm excited to go back to Indianapolis proper. Downtown Indianapolis, I think, is where the club is. Uh, I've never done any helium, for that matter. And and I'm I'm very excited about it. I I just... um, uh, I like the city of Indianapolis, and I built up, I felt like I built up this relationship. Oh, one time I went to the Egyptian room, and I featured for Burt Kreischer in Indianapolis. I've done Bob and Tom several times. I'm, I'm guessing that I'll be doing Bob and Tom again on this trip, and I just enjoy the city, and I'm happy to be coming back, and I thank Helium for bringing me in. It's been a long time coming, I think, and uh, I'm very pumped about it. As far as I know, there is one show that's sold out. The early show Saturday is sold out. So go ahead and get tickets. I'm anticipating they all to sell out. I sent out my email today, and I'm hoping my old Indianapolis f- friends and fans see that and go, oh, Dusty's coming back. There's a lady named Nancy. She used to say her and her son love to come and see me, but I don't know how to contact her. Maybe she listens to the podcast. I hope she comes. Um, so that's basically where we've been, where we're going. You know, I remember the first time I went to Indianapolis, though, to do that guest spot. I was not dating Hannah. And I was on, uh, Hannah stepped away here. But uh, yeah, I was saying the first time I went to Indianapolis, I was not dating you, and I was on Tinder. Oh, okay. And uh, um, did you catch some tail? In I India? did. I well, I met a girl. Oh, okay. I met I met a girl there, and we we didn't hang out that night, but we went out for like brunch the next morning before I left to go to Milwaukee to do a club in Milwaukee, and I tried to get her to go with me uh, to Milwaukee. What? You know, I was just out here on the road, just rambling around. I was like, well, you just come with me to Milwaukee. And uh, she said no. And then I was passing back through Indianapolis to go to, because um, um, I was going to do, so So I went Indianapolis on Thursday, guest spot, Friday, Saturday in Milwaukee. When I got to Milwaukee, I had a very scary hotel room. It freaked me out. I, it freaked me out about Milwaukee altogether for a long time. The shows were fine. I worked worked with Julie Scoggins. And then on Sunday, I was going back to Indianapolis to spend the night because on Monday, I was doing Bob and Tom. I had just released Making That Fudge, the album, and I emailed a bunch of radio stations, and Bob and Tom said yes. So I was going to do it. So that Sunday, 
I hung out with that girl again, and we just had pizza. And then I was um, going on Bob and Tom the next day. And this girl, I remember she had gone to law school and had just gotten information that she failed the bar exam. And then the next morning, I went on Bob and Tom and bombed on Bob and Tom. And then I never talked to that person again. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, just that person completely disappeared. Because even the next time I went to Indianapolis, still not dating you. I was still not dating you. And I tried to look her up. And, I, you know, I, nothing really, nothing happened between us, right? So I was just like trying to say, hey, I'm coming back. I'm doing the show. And she seemed to have completely disappeared. So I like just. Like no, no reply to you? Or no anything? reply, no. Uh, and nothing went bad. And, and she could just be like, I never want to talk to that guy again. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. But it just seemed strange. Mm -hmm. Seemed like she failed the bar exam and then completely disappeared. Hey, maybe she's more of a Jeff Bodart fan. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe Jeff Bodart's dating her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It could be. Um, but that is, so that, I'm excited about that. That's going to be a fun weekend in Indianapolis. And um, so we don't have, we didn't have a ton of, topics this week because like I say it's a short week and I didn't really go away and do anything uh, we do have new neighbor well but, but I do have a bunch of emails I'd like to read and I, I got somebody messaged me about Passover and wanted to know how I celebrate Passover so I thought I would just share those thoughts um, and so but we got new neighbors now we talked about and the reason I bring it up is because this was our neighbor that got evicted so for three years, we've had neighbors that we never even met. And now we actually have a real family living next to us. And we've been catching ourselves being like, what are they doing over there? What's going on over there? Mm -hmm. Not realizing that, you know, they're just living their lives. They're just living their lives, trying to move into their new house that they're renting. And we're like, what's going on over there? Because we've been used to no one being there. Yeah, we're kind of looking for things to be wrong about them. And I, and I just don't, I think that's wrong of us. It is wrong of us. Um, but, that you know, they set up, I'm not a big fan of dogs. I don't know if I've talked about that on here or not. But I'm not a huge, I don't hate dogs, but I'm not a huge fan of them. And um, their fence butts up to our yard and we're about to get a fence but it butts up to our yard and we notice that they have a dog and we're not used to that and it's an old rickety fence i don't want the dog to chew through the fence so yeah but we're complaining about stupid things like oh man he's running his truck yes what's we are what's going on with that <laughs> what is he drive his truck around Jeez, wait until the homeowners association finds out about this it is true though he has a d he has a big diesel truck not like a not like an 18 wheeler but a diesel powered truck so it's just like you can hear it at night like it is like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. and the, when that we remember when that guy came to look at the house he just ran forever out there and i remember just complaining about it yeah and then he was using some kind of uh, equipment at night, you know, and, and it was, it sounded like a lawnmower or some kind of pitchfork like vehicle because he's setting up the dog pen and we're kind of complaining on that. But realistically we're in February. It's the shortest days of the year. So he's probably just getting off work and then doing some 
some uh, lawn work. Yeah, he's scrambling to get things done. And we're like, what's going on over there, dude? You don't work on the just the weekends and have all week to do whatever you want to do? Come on. Yeah, it's 7 p.m. Some people <laughs> are trying to have a second dinner here. <laughs> it is true. We've been really hard on them. And we've not said anything to them personally, but in our own home, we've been really hard on them. So we really had to catch ourselves. Because meanwhile, our, our neighbor to the other side of him is like, uh, you know, like my best friend in the neighborhood. And, um, he, he puts, you know, he has, you know, about 10 bags of trash that he puts out on the road every <laughs> trash week. And we're hanging out yesterday in the trash complaining about the new neighbor. And I'm like, we better check ourselves. Yeah. The new neighbor's <laughs> probably like, what did I just move into? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, cause Danny, uh, well, our neighbor is, uh, cleaning out his attic, building a bonus room. So he's all the things that are in his attic. He's basically just throwing away, but he has two kids and they're older. So he's throwing away all their kids toys from when they were younger kids. So our daughter and another neighbor's daughter is just kind of playing with some of that, those old toys. And this lady comes by, a lot of people walk in our neighborhood, and this lady comes walking through the cul-de-sac, and she's just eyeing us. And there's about 10 of us just hanging out around this trash. <laughs> our kids are in the trash. <laughs> and we're judging the neighbors moving in because they got a dog. A couple of the kids have their shirts off, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's looking real redneck out there. As redneck as they can get out <laughs> yeah. there. I got my shoes off probably. I'm always out there grounding. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I wanted to, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how, how fun a lot of these emails are, but people have been sending me emails for a long time, and I never uh, read them. I'll read them here and there, but I just thought I would read some, and then me and Hannah will respond to them. Uh, and I'll try to read the, Brian Bates was making fun of me because he listens to my podcast and he'll go, Dusty always says on his podcast, he always goes, uh, I, I won't say their name. I'm not going to say their name. And then you're like, he was the best banjo player in, in so-and-so County in 1982. He's like stuff. People could easily look up if they want to see the person's name. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so, but I'll do my best. Um, I won't say your name, but I can't promise I won't give away other hints about you in the emails. But if they leave their name with you in the email, it's to be assumed they're not trying to be anonymous. Maybe well, they're making up a name. Well, that's what I, I, well, this, this person says, I was at your Atlanta show and it was amazing. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to take pictures with fans and talk for the little bit you could. I didn't get a chance to say this, but last year was a pretty tough year for me, and your podcast slash comedy really helped lighten the load at times. Just wanted to say thank you for what y'all do and bringing joy to the world. Also, I currently teach slash coach, and when you made your joke about leaving stand-up comedy for teaching to get yelled at and possibly stabbed, I had to pull over from driving because I almost started crying from laughing. Hope to see you again soon. <laughs> and I don't know if he listens to this podcast or Nate Land, but uh, thank you either way. What do you think about that? Well, it's nice. Did I make a joke about um, leaving this to teach here? I feel like this would. I feel like we've talked about you leaving comedy to preach, but I don't think I don't know if you talked about leaving it to teach. 
I don't know either. You've never really shared with me aspirations to be a public school teacher. No, and that's why I wonder where that came from. But I uh, do uh, think that teachers have it rough out here these days. I mean, I mean, it, I would not want to be a teacher. I'll tell no. you that. It's, no. It's wild out here. All right. This was Dusty and Hannah. Love this week's podcast. I love the Nate Land fan page, but for the first time, this week's comments made me sad. Honestly, the only reason I'm still on Facebook is because of the Nate Land fan page, because it has, for the most part, been funny and positive. I hope this doesn't become a trend. I hope not to, uh, but I think that me talking about it on my own personal podcast and talking about it on Nate Land and reading some comments and laughing about it. I'm hoping that the people that left those comments will now go, all right, well, the guy's got a sense of humor about us even making fun of him, and maybe it will cease. But I don't mind if people have opinions. I don't know why they they feel like, you know what it is? It's when something is established, and that podcast was established, uh, you know, Aaron, Nate, and Brian, and certain people for a hundred episodes listened to that podcast and got really into it in a lot of ways. And then a new guy comes in and, and, and brings new things to the table. I think it can, you know, it can cause people to, uh, you know, just wish that it was the way that it used to be. And yeah. it's fine. They're yeah. welcome to their opinion. It, it, it won't be that way anymore, but they're welcome to have that opinion. And my schedule gets gets rocky at times, and sometimes I'll be gone, and they may catch an episode when I'm not around. Um, you know, I think those are sad podcasts, but uh, <laughs> all right. It, it goes on here. Also, when I heard you, Dusty, that you played the tuba. Now, this is where it gets interesting to me because I never did play the tuba. So I'm not sure where this is coming from. Hannah, did you play the tuba? I played the trombone. Hannah played the trombone. I played the flutophone, which was uh, also known as the recorder. We call it a flutophone at our school. Are you kidding me? No. You called the recorder the flutophone? Flutophone, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I feel the like the South is just too much. For well, me I don't sometimes. know if you could blame the whole South. I know this was my <laughs> school, but uh, <laughs> I mean, what? The flutophone? First of all, you hold it like a clarinet, so it's not even like a flute. I don't know. And, um, and maybe it was just my particular music teacher. I don't know. Uh, it was Mr. Holland, was our, I think it was Mr. Holland, was our, our music teacher. And, uh, Maybe he was the high school music teacher. I don't remember. I, I didn't do very well at it. Uh, but I'll just continue on the email because yeah. I appreciate the email, even though um, I never played the tuba. I don't know where this is coming from. Uh, but I, I like the email. Dusty, that you played the tuba, I could relate to the first chair, second chair thing. The music was the same no matter what chair you were in. And most of the time for me, there were only two of us. My dad played tuba, so when it came time to pick an instrument, I didn't have a choice. I think it was because I didn't have enough money to buy an instrument. My least favorite part of playing the tuba was marching. Windy nights on the field were the worst. A girl playing the tuba was unheard of back in the 70s. Lastly, we are big C.S. Lewis fans at our house. That was a wise man. It's wild because she's clearly responding to 
one or many episodes of this show. Um, but I, I, I don't know where this tuba bit comes from. Well, maybe it's just some confusion with me saying flutophone. But, <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, so. my thing was that when I played, I got first chair. Um, the, the, like the first assignment we had, we had to memorize this thing and play it. And after we did, I got first chair. And then after that, it was completely downhill. I don't know what happened. It was like me bowling. If I bowl and the first five frames for me are really good and it's shaping up to look like a, a, a real high score, I'll completely collapse and I'll throw gutter balls for the next five frames. I don't know what happens to me. It's like I've talked about with dating before too. It's like when I was in high school or younger, if I didn't know that a girl liked me, I could laugh and make jokes. If I thought she didn't like me, I could laugh and make jokes and have her cracking up. The moment I realized she liked me, it was like, oh no, gutter ball, gutter ball, gutter ball. And, and, and that was what happened to me. So, um, I don't know, but I, I relate to you on the chair thing, whether our instruments were the same or not. Mm -hmm. um, all right, here's one. Hey, Dusty, I listened to the Nate Land and the We're Having a Good Time podcast and really love that. Oh, oh, this is a more of a serious one. And this is actually the one that I meant to find last week and couldn't find. And then I started to address the episode. And then we had a guy coming here to look at doing, converting uh, a loft that we have into a podcast studio and he showed up and Hannah had to go and start talking to him while I was trying to discuss this email, which I couldn't even find. So I thought, Hey, I'll read it this time and then I'll try to respond better, but it's a little bit more serious of a podcast. Well, uh, we're uh, not, this is not the, we're having a good time podcast. This is the dusty slate podcast. Well, it's so it, we can have serious discussions oh yes well i just wanted to go from you know playing tuba to i just want the email to go for you know from tuba to to a more serious one yeah hey dusty i listened to the nate land and the we're having a good time podcast and i really love the things you have to say i'm 16 years old and i have a mom who's been an alcoholic for three years your experiences with alcoholism really helped me understand her more my parents divorce really took a toll on me was anyone in your family an alcoholic uh, and influence you anyway towards uh, being an alcoholic? Uh, if so, how do you deal with being around that person? Well, no one in my family that I'm aware of was alcoholics. First off, I'm sorry to hear about this. And I uh, can also, this just goes back to what I've been saying about divorce all along. And I'm going to try to address a couple of things here. Uh, while I address this one, because I've been getting some comments on this one. So if I, if I, if I go off on a tangent, I am going to come back to a point, but I've been talking about divorce recently, and I've been talking about how divorce affects kids. And then I'll say this, I'll say, if you don't have any kids, do whatever you want. I don't care. And people have been kind of coming at me a little bit saying that, uh, that that's a very unbiblical stance to say that, getting a divorce if you have if you even if you don't have kids is okay. Now I'm not saying that divorce is okay. I'm not trying to justify divorce. 
But I am saying that a lot of times I, I think we have biblical divorce or we have biblical marriage and we have, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, government marriage where you go and you get married and you're legally bound to each other. I don't think God was talking about government marriage. I don't think God was talking about um, having someone down at the courthouse legally bind you. If you're if you're Christians and you get married to each other and you get married to each other under God, then that is a Christian marriage. Now, I'm not justifying divorce. But I'm saying, like like me and Hannah, I wanted a preacher when we got married I, because I wanted it to be a biblical binding. Even if he did have whiskey on his breath. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the not me, the, the pastor. <laughs> the pastor could have been drunk or hungover. I don't know. I'm not saying he was, but he could have been. Um, but I, I just wanted it to be biblically bound. Now, uh, you know, and Hannah gets uh, nervous when we talk about marriage on the podcast because she's like, well, what, what if something happens with us or what if we come under attack or what? If I, and it's like all that stuff is possible. I'm not saying that, you know, that we're perfect people because we're definitely not. I'm just saying as it goes, the law is, you know, once you get married, do not get divorced. Um, but I'm saying a lot of these marriages out here, I don't even know if they're really biblical marriages, but even beyond that, Basically, what I'm saying is that when you get divorced and you have no kids, that's between the husband, the wife, and God, okay? But when you get divorced and you have kids, now there are other people uh, to be affected. There are kids that are affected by this divorce. And I I know there are examples because people have, you know, because I, I know them personally, but I also, people have commented about them where they say, um, uh, you know, well, my parents were, were this and that, and I'm so happy they got divorced because had they not gotten divorced, my life would be much worse. And, you know, and it's like, I understand those situations exist. So I'm not discounting your experiences, but I'm saying that I believe the majority of divorced experiences are that it negatively impacts the kid. I'm saying that if the parent, people say, well, my parents were fighting so much that I'm glad they got divorced. And it's like, well, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're glad they got divorced over hearing them fight all the time, but your parents should have stopped fighting. Your parents should have checked themselves. And I'm not saying people won't fight. Me and Hannah fight. I'm not saying people won't fight, but your parents should have checked themselves and stopped fighting so much. Uh, for you. That's all I'm saying. So I'm not saying divorce is okay, but I'm just saying there are other people that are affected like this person. Listen, Dusty, it's fine that you have an opinion on divorce. Right. This is your opinion. This is where you're at with it. But I just want to clarify. Thank you, Hannah. But I just want to clarify my opinion. And, and, And my opinion is not, I'm not even coming at it from a biblical point of view when I say, if you don't have kids, do whatever. I'm just saying, from a kid from a divorced family, uh, I don't know if, I mean, my life is great. I have a good life. I, I enjoy myself. But I don't know if my life would have been better or worse with my parents staying married. But I do know that even going home to visit my parents, even now at 40 years old, would be much easier if they were married to each other. If if my sisters all had the same parents, uh, if my younger sister, if we had the same mom and dad, if my older sisters, we had the same mom and dad, if my younger sister, we had the same mom and dad, I'd probably get invited to one of the weddings once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, but things, things are what they are, you know? Um, so I'd like I, to get back to the idea that you learn to be an alcoholic all on your own. 
yes, I did learn to be an alcoholic all on my own. Now, that being said, my mom had boyfriends growing up that I saw drink, uh, you know, but I didn't see uh, negative alcoholism, at least in, to my eyes. Uh, you know, I didn't live with these men. My mom were not, was not married to these men, so I didn't live with them. So I, I didn't see the negative side of it. You know, I saw people drinking and having a good time. So when I started to drink, I thought, well, this is fun. This is what adults do. This is what we do. We just drink and we party. This is an adult beverage. And I am, well, not quite an adult when I started drinking, but I am very near to being an adult. I was 17 when I started drinking, which is honestly late for a trailer park kid in Alabama. Um, but once I started, I really dove in heavy and I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, um, and I know how it can consume my life, but I didn't, it didn't start to really consume me until I turned 21. And when I turned 21, when drinking was legal, when I could now go buy it, when I could now go to a bar, when it was now something I could talk about with other adults and, and they vindicate it. They say, oh yes. Oh, I go, I'm hung over today. And they go, oh, I know how that is. Oh, that football game was wild last night. Or, oh, what, what did you do? Oh, I went to, you know, I went to, a, uh, you know, I don't know. I went to play trivia and I couldn't answer questions without beer. And everybody's just like, everybody justifies it. And they go, oh yeah, it's fantastic. Isn't drinking amazing. And you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you high five each other and then go throw up by the dumpster. Uh, and you just, Everything is just, oh, drinking's amazing. Oh, isn't it wonderful? And now when we watch TV, it's like, oh, you watch a football game and it's like, drink, gamble, drink, gamble, have sex, drink, gamble, drink, gamble. That's what they want you to do. They want you, they want you dumb as possible and spending all your money on, on gambling. You're never going to win gambling. There's no such thing as luck. You may win once in a while, but it's not luck. It's happenstance. It's statistics. Uh, you, you, you know, of all the gambling going on, someone's bound to win, but I don't know anyone and I could be wrong. There's maybe a listener here who, who, who could, could prove me wrong. But my experience is sometimes people win big and that winning big causes them to want to gamble all the time because they love that feeling. And also they probably love the extra money in their pockets. So they start gambling more and more. And then in the end, they've lost more than they ever won gambling. There's stories of people winning the lottery and it ruining their lives um, because they weren't ready for it. And um, so, you know, all the stuff is out there. So I, as I got into it, it was the, the world that influenced me. It was the world that validated my, my choice to drink. And I don't know how old your mom is here in this, um, this story, but you know, I quit drinking at 30, uh, 29 and, uh, my life really improved. But what I would say is it says, how do you deal being around that person? Um, you know, I've been around a lot of drunk people, so I can't tell you how to deal with being around your mom. And I'm sorry that you have to go through that. But I, as I'm reading this, I see that you're 16 and this is what I said before. And this would be my advice. Um, because you know, you know, uh, I would just get a job, any kind of job you can get and just begin to save money. I would, and you know, listen, I don't know what kind of advice I'm allowed to give. So this is not advice. This is just what I would do. 
if, if I were in this situation and I were asking the question to someone, this is what I would do. Because when I was 16, I got a job at Western Sizzlin and I make fun of that job all the time. Uh, but I made decent money there waiting tables. I was getting a dollar a table roughly. Uh, but I was, it was turn and burn and I was just, and I made a lot of money that way. I was able to buy my first TV for like $250. It was a big deal for me. Um, but if you, if you were able to get a job and now with things like Uber and Lyft, and I don't know where you live in the world, but, uh, if you can walk there, great. If you can ride a bike there, great. Um, even if people make fun of you for riding a bike to work, if they make fun of you for riding the bus, if they make fun of you for not having a car, I don't know your situation. Don't worry about it. Just work now and begin to save money. Try to get your own savings account or hide the cash somewhere because, you know, I don't know your mom's situation, but uh, drugs and alcohol do wild things to people. People, they're, they're not of their right state of mind. People love, I had a, so many friends. I used to go to church all the time. Uh, while also a drinker. And I had church friends that loved to be around me, would hang out, we would have a good time, we would laugh. And then when I leave there, I go get drunk. And I had my drinking friends that loved to be around me. But then I could get to a place where I'm no longer living in reality. I'm living a life as if there is no consequences. And it's ruining my life and it's ruining the people's lives around me. Uh, but you can, uh, you know, you can, but what you gotta do is you gotta start now Begin to save. And I said this on the last one, but you know, when you rent an apartment, you're going to need first month's rent, last month's rent, and a deposit equal to that. So you'll need three months' rent. I would say you need $3,000. And that seems like a lot of money, maybe, but just start stowing it away. Just start stowing all the money you can away because it's, it's going to pay off. I used to say this a lot. I would go, well, I try to save money, but every time I save money, I end up needing to spend it on something like my car breaks down or, or I have a flat tire. And it's like, and then someone said to me, well, they go, well, at least you have the money. And I was like, and it's like a light went off in my head. When I sold pesticides, I worked with this guy uh, and he was my mentor for a long time. And he taught me how to save money and he told me that, he said, if you're not working 67 hours a week, right, 60 or 70 hours a week right now, you're just wasting time. I was in my early 20s and he was right. Did I do it? No. I worked pretty hard, but I didn't work that hard. And uh, I should have been saving money, but instead I was out drinking. So just save this money and work to get your own place. And then the moment you turn 18, get your own place. You don't have to move far away from your family, but the moment you can gain your own independence financially uh, and otherwise, uh, your life will begin to improve. I got nieces and nephews. They never would listen to me. They never would listen to me on any of my advice, any of the stuff I gave them. They never listened to me. My younger sister never listened to me. But the moment my nephew got out on his own, he told me that I was right all along. And I am right. Uh, we, we got this, uh, you know, I know it's harder now. Things are very expensive, but it's not impossible. And we got this mentality amongst society now that, uh, you know, people are just going to live with their parents forever. And, 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 and that's fine if you got a good living situation. But if you don't, and it sounds like you don't, um, get out of there as soon as you can. As soon as you're able to legally move out. Don't run away from home. I think there's like a lot in the air, especially if this guy's 16, where it's like the cost of living in America is so hard and people are working, you know, bone death just to survive. And okay. But I mean, it. I, just back to your point, if you are young, if you're under 30, 
you should be working two jobs. You should be working your butt off. You have the energy, you have the health, you have your whole future ahead of you. Now is the time to hit the gas so that, you know, when you get older, like, you know, mine and Dusty's age into your 40s and 50s, you you have a little bit of leisure time and extra money um, to take it easy, especially when your body is more tired when you're older. Yeah. Like I have a girlfriend and she's about 10, maybe 12 years younger than me. And gosh, I realized when I first met her that she was one of the only people I knew her age. And she was maybe 22 at the time, 23, who was working two jobs, three jobs. Actually, she had three jobs when I met her and she just worked so hard. And yeah, she looked like crap a lot because she was tired and she was stressed out and maybe her mental health like <laughs> took some shots but you know what now that she's like uh you know in her late 20s she's got a house you yeah. know so it's like be smart and um plan for for yourself and work hard and hit the gas yeah, and don't let people tell you that 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 you can't do things because that's the mentality now. They're like they go, "Oh, well, all the boomers, they were able to buy a house, but we we're not going to be able to do that now." And it's like, you know, um, you know, my sister and her husband, I got a, another sister who lives in uh uh Cleveland, Tennessee, and they're not they're not rich people, but they worked and they saved and they were able to buy a house and now you know they're looking to sell that house and buy a bigger place i mean there is ways to do it you know and i i would say you know um with your mom it's like it's not your job to support your mom it's not your job to to uh do any of those things but it's like you know i don't know your parents situation but i'm sure that divorce was hard on her too hard on your dad too so just the Bible commands us to um, honor our parents. So you don't have to support them, but you are, we are called to honor them. So, you know, um, but just, you know, try to do your own thing. And working will help you get out of the house in a, in a positive way. And it doesn't matter what the job is. Everybody wants to make jokes about flipping burgers all the time. They always want to act like that's a job for, for lowly people. Oh, you're flipping burgers. It's like, it's a job, you it's know? It's a job for a 16-year-old. Yeah, frankly. and it's a job for anyone, any age. You know, I used to make fun of people. When I was younger, I would say stuff like, I'd go, well, that's why they're working at McDonald's. And my sister would say to me, she would go, you don't know why they're working here. You don't know what their experiences is. You don't know what's led them to be here right now. And I knew a guy, I went to high school with a guy. Uh, he started working at McDonald's and I know he worked his way up to manager. I don't know what he's up to now. Haven't seen him in 20 years, but I know he worked his way up to manager. So, and there's money in that. So. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard cause I know, you know, this young man probably loves his mom, but is also probably having a lot of conflicted, difficult feelings with her. And, and the dynamic is probably pretty unhealthy. But I mean, if there's any kind of codependency going on or enabling or, I mean, you're, you're a young guy, you're not probably the, old enough to handle your mom's baggage. For the record, I don't know if this person is a guy or a girl. Oh, excuse me. But yes. Well, I'm just saying, like, I do think the move is to get out of there because um, if someone's like struggling with addiction like that like they're just going to bring you down yeah get out of there you know when you can like mm -hmm. don't don't run away from home i'm not suggesting when you're 18 when you're an adult get your own place 
And, um, but, but make a move by getting a job now, make a move by get, yeah, getting a job now, that's going to be your best way to deal with things. You know, you, um, you know, you, you go to school in the morning, you come home at night and you, um, and you, um, you know, uh, after school, go to work and then you're out of the house for most of the time. And hopefully by the time you get home at night, your mom's passed out. You know, I mean, that's, it sounds bad, but it's like, I understand that these are real world problems that people deal with. And, um, you know, and that, and it's like, when I turned 18, I moved out and I get along with my mom. Great. My mom is not an alcoholic. My mom did not party, but I couldn't wait to move out of the house. I get along great with my mom, but I was like, so ready for my independence. I was gone at 18 and it sound and by 21, I had moved to a completely different state. And it just seems like now the age of 18, people just act like is so young and, oh, don't do it yet and this and that. And it's like uh, in college, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a big supporter of college. I, I don't I will never tell anyone don't do it, but I'm not a supporter of it. It costs too much and I don't know the, uh, the benefit of it. Um, you know, there are certain jobs that you can get where you can work your way up. You can learn skills. You can go to a trade school if you want, learn to weld, learn to be a carpenter. I mean, it's hard to find people to do things. Uh, people make fun of plumbers, uh, electricians. It's like all that stuff. But that is real jobs with real skills that pay, pays good money. Everybody wants to be a social media influencer now, but get a real skill. Says the social media influencer. All right, but I got some skills. All right, so that's good. Uh, so thank you for that email. Um, anything else to no. say on that one? All right, let's go to another one. This is great. We should do more of this. I hope that people listening like this. Uh, hey, Dusty, I was so glad to see you in Mobile. I had a great time at the Mobile shows. Uh, this is me saying that. Uh, I thought you were hilarious as always, and I had a smile on my face the whole time you were on stage. I brought along a buddy, and he was not disappointed. I especially liked the jokes about how much people were passing by to use the bathroom. Oh, yeah. I got some recordings of that, and I got to get those videos out, but... Um the way that room was set up was the stage, the, the, to go to the bathroom, you had to walk right by the stage. And I, I mean, it, it was like everybody in there took uh, just something to make them pee. I mean, I guess they took alcohol, uh, but it just, people just kept passing by, kept passing by, kept passing by. And it was like, it was just too much. She made, you know, like clever little observations about that. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, I did. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's one of your skills. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Actually, one of my videos I put out recently was a, a flub that I did while I was in Tampa. And I said, uh, I meant to say my mom and I said my wife, but there was no, I knew in my head, I was like, well, there's no way to move forward with this without acknowledging it. So I ended up making a few funny jokes out of that. That's on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, if you'd like to check it out, YouTube. My only disappointment of the night was that I misheard that your merch table was set up inside as I had already, as I already had outside to watch and they didn't allow us back in. I look forward. I, I'm sorry that happened. I had no idea. I look forward so much for another picture with you since I decided to overdress in a blue suit that night, but doubly so because I wanted to give you a book recommendation. Our fates are already similar, but you've influenced me in your podcast our fates have grown even more similar. Uh, therefore, I believe you would enjoy and learn from one of my favorite books, 
That book is titled Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes by Brandon J. O'Brien. It is not an anti-American Christian book, but instead an insight on how much our culture subconsciously influences the way we understand the Bible. A large point of the book are things are uh, the law. It's too long. Take your time. I'm I'm losing it. Just take your time. Take it one letter (laughs) at a time, and notice when there's little spaces in between the letters. (laughs) A large point of the book are the things, quote, that go without being said, not only in our culture, but in the culture of the Bible. It is a really eye-opening book, I believe, you will learn from. Uh, It is also available on Audible, which would be much easier for you which would be easier for you. I added in much for no reason. I hope you check it out, and please let us know your thoughts if you do. Lastly, I hope you stick to the midday prayer. I'm glad you brought this up. I have been doing it every day with a couple of times missed. I even got a couple of friends of mine to commit also. I believe the combined prayer can work, and I love that you had the idea. Stay strong and remember to do it. Your family is always in my prayers. Thank you for being an influence. Yes. Well, thank you for this email. And I have been doing it. I set an alarm on my phone every day at 12 noon. Now, sometimes it gets a little messed up because I set it at 12 noon and then I may be on Eastern time, depending on how I'm traveling. But every time it goes off at noon, I like to say a little prayer. Now, sometimes I miss it. Even when it goes off, I'm like, oh, well, now I'm in the car with someone or oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. So sometimes I miss it, but I have been doing it almost every day at 12 noon, Central time is what I tried to do. Uh, but when that alarm goes off, I say a prayer and, you know, pray for this country, pray for our leaders, pray for, you know, pray for the world, pray for revival in the country. I mean, because, you know, we, what we need is, you know, Christian values back in our, in our, in our country, just people, you know, having faith and, and, and having something they believe in and knowing what they believe. I mean, today people don't even know what they believe. So from one minute to the next, they're onto this, they're onto that, they're onto this, they're onto that. And people like to make this a right wing, left wing thing. But I've saw this, I've, I saw this meme years ago and I, I believe it more so now than ever, but you know, the right wing and the left wing, they're on the same bird. You know, it's like, it's not much different. So uh, we need God. We don't need politicians. We need God. Well, yeah. And then what, what that guy was saying in his email, the book recommendation kind of sounds like something similar that I'm reading right now, which is the idea that, you know, people that lean more to the left and lean more to the right, you know, we, we, we're set up to think we believe so differently, but really we value the same things and our culture has made us so much closer in thinking and, and, um, values than, than we actually think we are like, you know, for example, like most Americans are regardless of, um, um, you know, their, their political beliefs believe in individualism and believe in, um, personal freedoms and think that those are like the highest values that each person should be able to have in their own life. Um, but it's the expression of those things where you start to see a, a deviation in how people want to want to live. But but those core values um, are kind of the bedrock of, of most Americans uh, point of view. 
Yeah, I mean, so many people now, you know, it's like they're they're really afraid of offending people, right? That's the thing is don't offend me, don't offend me. And it's like, well, you know, isn't that, you know, kind of the core belief of, of you know, the Bible's commandments? I mean, it's like you love your brother as you love yourself. It's like you, you're trying not to hurt each other. But a lot of people that are so uh, about not being offended are offended by Christianity, so it's like, you know, that's why it's like, that's why I'm always about the the Old Testament laws, because it just makes it simple for us. It's not up for interpretation. When we when we try to complicate it, uh, then it's left up to interpretation. And it's like, it's very simple. And then people will say, oh, well, you're, you must be for stoning people. I'm not for the punishments. I mean, the, I'm not going to be out here punishing people. I'm not, the, the punishments are for God. God does the punishing. I'm just out here um, trying to live my best life, and I recommend it to other people because I think it will help you live your best life. And that's the key. You recommend it. You know, we don't think that our Christian values or beliefs should be imposed on other people. No. If you don't believe in God and you don't take any heed to the Bible and, and you're doing your own thing in some other way, you have the freedom to do that. In I fact, mean, that, I think that's like a important thing to say because I think well, people yeah. get real squirrely when you're like, we more, need more Christian values in this country and right. we better legislate it. It's like, no, we still want people to have political and religious freedoms in this, in this yeah, country. Yeah, because if it is imposed, then the spirit is gone. Right. Because, I mean, you know, it's all about, it's about, you know, to me, it's about the law and the spirit, right? You, you need both. You need, because the spirit is great. It's really great to, to want to care for everyone and, 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 you know, and you have to have Jesus to get into heaven, according to the Bible. So, um, you know, but the, but the law is what, that's our foundation. That's what everything's built off of. And then the, the spirit is, is how we interact and it's what's in our heart and what, what makes us good people. If we're just about the law and no spirit, then, then you are about the punishments. You are, you know, and I don't want the government, I don't want the government telling us anything. I mean, there's some basic laws like don't steal and don't steal and don't kill. I like that we have those. Uh, but for the most part, I don't want the government giving us any laws, you know, uh, obviously not any laws, but you know what I mean? So I appreciate that email. Uh, here's another, this is, uh, from Instagram. Not sure if you even see DMS, but my husband and I just listened to your podcast podcast episode about your health scare, hospital stay and Bible talk. I'm so happy you're okay and pray you'll continue to be. I'm writing because of something you said on that episode. It was something along the lines of ever, uh, of ever since you started to talk about God and the Bible on your podcast, it's like everything has been going wrong since. Now, just for this context, this was, this, this would have been out two years ago. That podcast episode would have been out two years ago. Uh, and they say, same, ever since the Holy Spirit opened my husband and my eyes back in 2020 about being lukewarm Christians, and we started to really truly follow him, getting involved in a church and immersing, immersing ourselves in the word, we have felt we have been under attack since then. But you know what? It's okay. We trust that we are his and he'll get us through. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that... For those who love God, all things work together for good 
for those who are called according to his purpose. We have hope in that promise. Such an encouraging episode. I appreciate that. I appreciate you listening to these. I appreciate all these emails. This has been great. I had a few more that I wanted to read, but let me get into, and that's why it's important that we pray for each other. I mean, you know, uh, because if, you know, Hannah and I are out here saying this stuff, I mean, there will be attacks that come and uh, we need your prayers. We need your prayers in our life. So please continue to pray for us. Um, we appreciate it very much. I mean, I, I don't think that there is anything more important than prayer. Um, now someone messaged me about Passover and they, they just wanted to know how I celebrate Passover and my sister and her husband, I have three. So these are, I've talked about all three of them on this podcast, but they do Passover and we went to a Passover Seder with them last year. And I found it now, my, my brother-in-law ran the whole thing and I thought he did a really great job, but overall I found it to be a little too much. I found it to be a little too, too, uh, you know, cultural and, and, and tradition oriented as, uh, opposed to just biblical. So I like to just go straight biblical with it to the best of my understanding. Now, so I'm going to read a little bit. This is out of Exodus 12. Uh, two through 11. Uh, and then I'll just interlude here and there. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And I believe that is April. I believe that is the biblical first year. Uh, and I believe that for a couple of reasons, but one being that people still celebrate Passover to this day in April, even though, you know, all the Jewish people celebrate Passover in April, even though that is the fourth month in our year. Um, um, in, in our, so let's, let me just skip around a little bit. Um, you know, it talks about getting a lamb on the 10th day of this month. You shall, uh, uh, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor unto his house Take it according to the number of their souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. So, you know, so a lamb is a baby sheep, so it must be young, but um, without blemish. That means, you know, you wouldn't go out into the field and go, all right, well, we got to do this thing. So let's find some beat up lamb out there because we're going to make money off the, the unblemished lamb. So let's get one of these beat up lambs. You get an unblemished lamb, a good one, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of that same month. So for four days, you keep it up. I guess you're feeding it, fattening it up. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side post and on the upper doorpost of the house wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat, and, and this is what I do. I don't do the blood on the doorpost, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I don't think it's necessary, but I will tell you why. Uh, but this is what I do. They, it says, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire. Um, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire, and thus shall eat it with your loins girded, 
your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, what was going on in this time was that, you know, the Jews were about to be freed from Egypt. So there was all happening, you know, kind of in a hurry. So, you know, they're taking the doorpost and putting them over the, um, you know, over the over the doorpost so that when the angel of death came from, through, it would see the blood on the doorpost and it would spare that house from death. So that's what they're doing here. And then and it says to, you know, eat in haste. So that's how I like to do it. I like to take some lamb. I like to roast it on a grill or on the stove. I feel like roasting on the stove is still fire technically. I think sodden with water to me means to boil and don't eat it raw. And so I like to buy a little lamb. I don't think it's necessary necessarily, but I just, I like to buy a little lamb I like to cook it. I get some unleavened bread. They make these, uh, what are those crackers? Matzah crackers. Matza crackers. And then I get, I usually get some type of uh, green salad. Uh, and then I mix horseradish and olive oil together to make it kind of a bitter herb thing. That's something I've heard people do. And then I'll do a glass of grape juice. I think if you do wine, if you drink, do wine. But I just do grape juice. And then I roast it. And then I sit down and I read this every time. And then we just eat it real fast. Uh, and I think it's very simple. I mean, that's what I do. And I've been doing it for years. I do it in, uh, I've done it in uh, hotel rooms. Uh, I've done it, uh, I, I did it in a, a cabin in Lowell, Arkansas one time with Dan Whitehurst. I don't even think Dan Whitehurst does Passover, but he, I was like, you, I was like, I'm going to do it tonight. You want to do it? And he goes, yeah, I'll do it with you. And then I like to take this into consideration, and this is why I don't think the doorpost is necessary, because there's the parallels with Jesus, right? Because an unblemished lamb, Jesus is the unblemished lamb of the world, right? So his shed blood is now the door, blood on the doorpost. Jesus' shed blood is now the shed blood that covers the sins of the world, where the lamb at that time covered Israel, Jesus his blood covers all of us. That's the, you know, that's the parallel here. So the last supper, the famous picture of the last supper, Jesus sitting around the table with his disciples, they were having, um, Passover. Passover. So, and Jesus says, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So, you know, it's symbolic. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. So I just think it's very important um, to, um, to think about that um, because, you know, in the, in, in, um, in the Bible, it says, you know, do in, in Exodus, it says, do pass. I did research on this and I should have wrote it out better, but it says, do Passover forever. It says to do it forever. And then Jesus is celebrating Passover, who is our, you know, Messiah, who is our example as Christians, also does Passover and says, do this in remembrance of me. Now, a lot of people do the the, the wine and the wafer, and they'll do it. You know, if you're Catholic, they'll do it every Sunday, and a few other religions will do it, or a few other, uh, whatever you might call it, denominations. denominations might do it every Sunday. But 
I believe, and this is just a personal belief, that Jesus was specifically telling us to keep Passover. And he's saying, do it in this way. So that's why I have the grape juice. That's why I don't think the lamb is uh, necessary. And that's why I don't think animal sacrifice is no longer necessary because animal sacrifice was, you know, remission of sins. And Jesus is saying, it's my blood now that is the remission of sins. But I don't think that gets us out of... um, uh, of, of, you know, following the law, but that's what I like to do. I just like to keep it very simple. I read these two passages. I eat lamb. I eat, uh, bitter herbs. I eat, uh, uh, the crackers and then I drink the wine and, uh, I just do it like that. I don't think it needs to be a big ding big thing. If you want to get family together, I realize that if you're getting people together, that it seems like there always needs to be more of a show about it because people have all come together. Uh, So now it seems like it needs to take longer. I just don't think it needs to take longer. The dinner part, in my opinion, should go really fast. It says to eat in haste with their shoes on your feet because um, you know, for whatever reason, that's just what God wants us to do. So you could eat the food fast and then still have a fun celebration with your, your friends and family. Um, and then this is another thing, uh, Exodus, it says, I wrote this down, so I'll just read this. Matthew, it seems to suggest that the feast of unleavened bread had already begun before Passover. And obviously people of that time would know better than me, but in Exodus, there is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? And, there's, and this is what I wrote here. There's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. To me, it starts at Passover. It begins that night where for one week you eat no leaven. You eat no bread, no crackers, no cereal, no any anything that rises, no any bread that rises. Muffins. That, muffins. Scones. Scones. Pizza dough. Cookies. It all rises. So we're not to eat it that week. And... But it does command you to eat unleavened bread. So eating those matzo crackers. Me and Hannah, for that week, we'll put peanut butter. We'll make peanut butter and matzo crackers. We'll do all kinds of things with the crackers. And, you know, people like to think that it's so hard. And if you are a heavy bread eater, it can be hard. Because the moment you stop eating bread is the moment you realize that everything you consume has leaven in it. And so many things have it. But it's a time of reflection. We're supposed to reflect on leaven or sin in our lives. We're supposed to remove all of that from our lives. And we reflect on that time and and we just try to remove it. The Bible commands us to even remove it from the house. Now, me and Hannah are not great about that because I'll be like, well, we got all this bread. Why don't we just put it in the freezer? And then when the week's (laughs) over, we'll eat it. But we do um, not eat it. And, you know, so I would just encourage you to read... um, Exodus 12 and Matthew 26. Just read those. And then because I'm reading here and I'm bouncing around and I'm skipping words and I'm even messing up my own notes. Um, But um, I I just think it's important. I've been doing it a long time. I do um, Passover and then I do the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I think it's a good reset for your body. I think it's a good week. It helps your body reset, just like fasting. I mean, the, the way the Bible talks about fasting, when Jesus talks about it, he doesn't say, if you fast, I encourage you to fast. He goes, when you fast. He's telling us to do it. 
we should be fasting. Fasting is a great reset for our bodies. It helps us to get on track. It can regulate us. I mean, our our country is the uh, most obese country in the world. And people always say, well, it's because we have so much abundance. And it's like, well, we do have abundance, but there's a lot of countries with abundance. There's a lot of countries that are very wealthy that have a lot of food. And I just think we we eat a lot. And there and I you know, I also on a side note, I think they put a lot of bad stuff in our food that our bodies don't know what to deal with and don't know how to get rid of it. But I think it's causing us a lot of problems. And fasting helps us regulate those things. It helps us uh, just at least gives our digestive system a, a rest. And then here's just an additional thing I read today. And this is coming from um, John the Baptist. This is Matthew 3. Um, let's start at 7. But when he saw him, he's about to, he's about to start um, baptizing people. And he says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring bring forth, therefore, fruits, meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children of Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And I just think that's his way, John the Baptist's way of saying, listen, no one is free from the wrath of God. Uh, If you're not bearing good fruit, then you will be cast out. If you think you're in for whatever reason, you need to examine yourself because if you don't bear good fruit, you will be cast out. I mean, there's a a parable, there's a thing where Jesus is walking and there's a, he go, he's hungry and he sees a fig tree and he goes up to it to get fr- fruit and the fig tree has bared no figs and, and Jesus kills the fruit tree right in that moment. And it's just like, you know, he's just saying, you know, you, you're saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm getting into heaven because I'm the seed of Abraham. And he, and John the Baptist says, does God not have the ability to just raise up the seed of Abraham anywhere he wants at any time? He does. He has the power to do anything. And I think this has been a really fun podcast. We're having a good time sometimes. Maybe we should keep it. We're having a good time podcast. I think we should change it. I do like the idea of changing it. You know, I'm always trying to get you to let go of your old, your old sayings. (laughs) Well, I know, but uh, I like we're having a good time and I will not stop saying it, but the podcast in a lot of ways has become very separate from what my comedy is and I don't mind it. But I do think that I should maybe even do further separation. I'd like to end with a review of our podcast. And if you've not, we have very good reviews of the podcast. And if you've not given us a review on iTunes, uh, I encourage you to do it. You don't have to, but I encourage you to give five stars. Um, and um, because, you know, it helps us be seen by more people. And I appreciate all your emails. And I'll, I'll, I'll plan on reading more each week. But I'd like to read this review. I meant to start the podcast by reading this review. This review is, if you came here from Nate land, and it's a three-star review, uh, genuinely enjoy Dusty on Nate land and have checked out his stand-up and have been entertained. Uh, 
thought I'd come to his podcast, and while I really enjoy, while I was really enjoying that this was relatively clean content, I had to exit, as his stand on science, etc., isn't as entertaining without the buffer of the Nate Land cast. Unfortunately, I started an episode where he went on a rant about mask wearing. <laughs> uh, we're past arguing as a society about this, and I wanted to still enjoy his stand-up slash Nate Land, so I had to unsubscribe. Just including this for any others who may be inclined to feel the same. Side note, oh, well, this was about you. <laughs> and I never read this part to you. Oh, what did he say? Side note to audio. The mic is picking up Hannah's breathing on the side in a distracting way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my audio. I well, we're we, not. I think we fixed it. But. We're not audio technicians. But, yeah, we have some issues with it here and there. But I just thought this this review was funny because it's like, you're coming to my podcast from another podcast and you're going to give me a review, a, a bit of a negative review because it's not what you wanted to be. And clearly he was offended by the mask rant. And, uh, and he says, we're done arguing about this as, as, as a society. And I do well, think what he said was as a society, we're done arguing about this. Like he's speaking for all of society. Right. And we are done arguing about it. And the reason we're done arguing about it is because the people that we're no longer being made to wear them. So there's no argument anymore because people aren't being made to wear them. That's where my complaint about it was. And anytime I have to go somewhere still to this day and they're like, can you put on a mask? I'm like, what? I mean, I will not, if it's, if, I mean, no one's doing it. But if I went to a restaurant now and they were like, put on a mask, I'd just go to a different restaurant. You know, they are doing it at that record store in Opelika. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I know I have some Opelika listeners. I don't, and I don't know who's still with me at this point. I mean, I know we've been talking a lot about Passover in the Bible. So I don't know who's still with me. But there's a record store in Opelika. Now, when did we go there? Not just most recently, but when did we go there? We were there... Let's say late, uh, probably early 2022, huh? Mm -hmm. We were there with Daisy. Yeah, so probably early 2022. Yeah. And uh, we were going to, I was driving through downtown Opelika, and they got a bunch of new areas built up around there. And I thought, well, this is cool. And I saw this record store. And I thought, oh, yeah, let's go check out that record store. So I'm with my mom, with Hannah, with Daisy. And we parked the car. We get out. My mom gets out. My mom's in her 70s. She gets out. Hannah gets out. I get Daisy out of the car. We carry her up there. We walk up to the record store, and they have a sign on the door that says, uh, "Must everyone must have a mask, no exceptions. So we go, okay, then, and we just leave. I don't think we had intera any interaction with them, did no, we? No, it was just on the door. We didn't even go in. So we didn't even, so we didn't even go. So, you know, and I will buy a record. I mean, I'm probably not going to keep the place in business, but I will buy a record. I love to buy records that I never listened to. And so we went back this time. We were there about a month ago. Yeah. And we just drove by and that sign is still on the door. I mean, and people want to tell me that I'm arguing science. I mean, at this point, um, they're even telling us that the masks do nothing. I actually found uh, a, in a NBC headline saying that uh, 
natural immunity by contracting COVID gives you equal to, if not greater than immunity than the vaccine. We're having a good time. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Now, how is me repeating these headlines anti-science? I'm just reading what's out here. Yeah. Well, you know, COVID is, you just, anytime you talk about COVID, you're going to ruffle some feathers. It's true. And it is divisive. I mean, too many people have been affected by it in one way or another, some much more tragic than others, you know, so it's, well, it is it's true. a delicate subject. It is delicate. And that's why I always just keep it at mask. I share very little of my own actual opinions and I just keep it at mask. Uh, don't make me wear a mask and I won't have to rant about it. Okay. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Had a lot of fun with you, Hannah. All right, Dusty. All right. We're having a good time. Hopefully I didn't have too much mouth breathing this one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>